I began to talk to you about the wiles of the devil. And I mentioned to you that this word wiles, W-I-L-E-S, is the word in Greek, methodia. Methodia, or the methods, the methods of the devil. We usually assign to methods um, the, the, the methods of the devil, uh, the word wiles, W-I-L-E-S. The methods of the devil are intentionally deceptive. There's nothing benign about this creation of the devil. Wiles are schemes to deceive, to entrap, to lure, always to your harm, always to your harm. Wiles are ways by which to take people captive. So when it says, I want you to be familiar with the schemes of the devil or the wiles of the devil, He's telling us these are not benign creations. There's an intentionality behind the methodologies of the devil to capture through deception. Now, it's important to understand the advantages, the advantages the devil has that he puts to work in his methodologies. I will leave largely unanswered the question of what is his motivation? Sufficient to say that pure hate, the kind of hate that an unrelenting adversary embraces when he goes after the object of his hatred. We'll find clues to the devil's hatred in books like Hebrews chapters 1 and 2, where it is clearly contrasted between the Son and angels, the devil being an angel. To which of the angels did God at any time ever say, you are my son, today have I begotten you. But to the son, God says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You there is a further delineation of the difference between the Son and us in the Son. We know who the Son is. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is both a natural man and a spiritual man. The natural man is referenced as Jesus of Nazareth, Mary's son. 
the spiritual man is referenced as Christ, the Son of God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the only God that there is. They're not multiples of gods, he's not the same God for all these different religions, he's only the God, he's exclusively the God who is described as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the schemes of the devil are rolled out, they are constructs designed to entrap people in their lusts, whatever they lust for. And the armor of God in its aggregate, in its aggregated form, is all of the components of his power available to us in the person of Christ. So God never said to an angel, you are my son, today I have begotten you. But God has said to the son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and designated all angels, all angels as ministering servants sent to serve the saints. The rebellion against their status by the angels was led by Satan, the evil one, also known as the devil. We know that from the book of Revelation that describes in chapter 12, describes that old serpent, so he puts him on the earth in the Garden of Eden, that old serpent, the devil and Satan who leads the world astray. His original name was light bearer, Lucifer, from which we get the word light or light bearer. He was once a glorious creation and full of understanding as suitable for his status of a prime archangel before God. That's how he was created, a superbly intelligent creature, but not a son, not a son. No angel is a son. We do not yet know all of what is entailed in our status as sons, but we've been given Jesus, the firstborn son, as our picture of what might be employed in this vast description known as Son. One of the primary things about Son is heir, heir, the one who has the right to inherit from the Father. We are heirs of the life of God. 
we're not necessarily the heirs of creation. Creation was a theater on which we would stand to carry the presence of God. We are the heirs to the presence of God. Because as spirit beings, we may carry God, God as an impartation of spirit to our spirit. For God is a spirit, you see. God is not a man. Jesus was a man. But in his humanity, he's not all that he is. It's in his divinity that he is the Son of God. So we too, as he is, are sons of men and if we've been born of God, sons of God as well. It is impossible for an angel to be born of God. Impossible. The only thing in creation ever designated as being born of God is man. It's why there is this thing called being born again. The first birth is natural. The latter birth is spiritual. And so that which is born of flesh, understandably, is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. God went to the greatest of lengths to make sure that we would understand this by requiring us to acknowledge the end of our natural lives as a prerequisite to being given life from God. So we're required to die and be buried. The principle of burial is summarized and, and symbolized in baptism, water baptism. Water baptism is a burial. But once dead and buried, the manner in which God gives life to anything is employed. A spirit, a spirit, His spirit. His spirit that is designated as a life-giving spirit. Raises, up, raises us up from the dead and assembles us to the living reality of the existent Christ in whom there is the life of God accessible. The life is in the Son. The only access to the life that is in God, eternal life, life beyond end, life beyond beginning, life always, life for the ages, life of the eons, age upon age, endless ages, that life. That life was brought into creation from the eternal, not ever as an act of creation, but by endowment, 
God consenting to impart of His true self in the representation of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That spirit that is eternal and ever-existent that was carried in the person of Christ into creation. It's why before Christ came, man could not have eternal life and was dead. But as Christ came, man could be raised up in Christ, assembled to his person and connect to the life that is in the Son, which is the life of God. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit assembles our spirits to God, to the life that is in God, the life of God that is resident in the person of Christ. That is why no one makes, no one can view God as Father except in Christ. It's the only accessible portal to God. I don't mean to be um, down on any other religion. That's just what they are, religions and religious thought. This is the reality. No, there are not many ways to God. You see, people think that heaven is God. No, God is a living being. God is a spirit. You may have a theology about going to heaven, and and people do, religions do. All of the major religions have some version of this, collective unconscious, Uh, paradise, whatever. Heaven is not God and the notion of heaven after we die is not God. God is a living being. Heaven is part of a created realm and subject to ending as well, just like the earth. Anything created has an end to it. God is the eternal being, the creator of all things, to whom all things are subject. So the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has one heir to His presence, one being entitled to carry His presence one being. And apart from being assembled to that one being, one cannot be a participant in the life that is the life of God, which is also and coincidentally described as eternal life. So in Christ, in Christ we are the heirs of God. We are the heirs of His life and His life is not just existence, 
His life has all the power of God in it. His life has all the strength of God in it. His life imparts the knowledge of who God actually is. His life and access to His life imparts all of that that is in the understanding of God, His mindset which goes with His being, which is inclusive of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, power, the fear of the Lord, and the right to rule. This is what we are heirs of. These are, if you prefer, the elements of the personhood of God, exclusively available as the life of God in the being known as Christ. No man, no one may have access to this apart from Christ. No angel. That was what the war was about. So the test at the end of the age is whether the challenge to God in choosing man is going to be successful or utterly and finally put down. Now tell me, what strength do we think we have apart from God to put down this challenge to God, to resolve it with absolute finality, to crush the opposition, to destroy the devil. The Son of God was revealed to that end, you know, to destroy the works of the devil. We think alignment with a political party is going to do that. We think making a vain attempt to control legislation on issues of abortion, homosexuality, prayer in public school, that somehow that is going to do it? Or whatever other new causes we've dreamt up or that leaders have dreamt up and put upon the people, we think that these things have any chance of going anywhere? When they're all rooted in things we lust for, and they're subject intrinsically to the wiles of the devil, we think those things will succeed. That's why, that's why there's so many people who fit the apt description of being insane, running around advocating these things. But try to take, try to take their, fun, their fond affections from them and some of the vilest language will be deployed against you. One, uh, I think it was David Jeremiah, one of the thousands of prophets who prophesied falsely about the outcome of the 2020 elections. <laughs> he made an attempt to correct uh, 
being deceived by a lying spirit. And he writes about the calls he received and the threatening uh, emails and the rest of it. He was stunned by the vileness in the evangelical church to the point where he said it is, it is more ill, more sick than he ever imagined. Why would you be surprised? It hasn't been pursuing God. The evangelical church hasn't been pursuing God, it's been pursuing its lust, heaping to itself teachers for whatever it lusts for. It wants to be independent of God financially. So what does it lust for? Money. Who are the most um, conspicuous preachers today? The ones who preach prosperity, money. <laughs> when you have a preacher whose name is Dollar, it ought to be a hint to you as to what his message is going to be. And God has debunked them openly and publicly, but their followers won't come to their senses because a kind of demonic insanity has set in. You see, deception will ultimately metastasize in insanity. We're going to see an absolute proliferation of mental disease among so-called Christians. Why? Because they've lowered the barrier and permitted the enemy to breach the walls, to come in, take possession of the soul. If you allow yourself to consume deception, you will ultimately lose touch with reality. And the various forms of this, Alzheimer's, just how the demonic finally gains control of the mind. It, can't gain, it cannot gain control of the mind without your consent. But if you continue to indulge in consuming falsehoods, you have removed any barrier to a deceived mindset and the insanity will become characteristic of those who have fallen away due to their constant consumption of lying deceptions. And even when the people, whether they're television, um, uh, uh, television commentators, opinionators, who now are being shown to have two agendas, one that they privately believe and one that they publicly say, and they're completely opposed to each other. But is this going to change the mindset of evangelical Christians concerning their heroes on television? 
got a chance. They love, the people love it so. The prophets are prophesying falsehoods, the priests are ruling by their own authority, and the people love it so. But what shall they do in the end thereof? And you, some of you may actually recognize, I just quoted a line from the prophet Ezekiel concerning the deception at the end of the age. So no, no angel has been allowed to carry the presence of God. Sons, only sons, are allowed to carry the presence of God and a son is one who is born of the Spirit of God and has access to the life that is in God. Therefore, a son is the radiance, according to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, a son is the manner in which the glory of the Father is radiated in the world and the son is the exact representation of his Father's being. The Son is the agent of the Father so that God may be seen in the person of Christ, that many-membered body that appears in the earth through all of the members and through each of the members uniquely. So the schemes of the devil have been rolled out in a systemic format to capture the souls of the unwary. I have a great deal that I have spoken already on what is called the cosmos, an arrangement of systems governed by the mind of the evil one. And the evil one, in concocting these systems, knew every weakness in the human soul, every tendency that may be exploited through deception to entrap the human soul, to bring it into captivity to these systems. Political systems are now being deployed to entrap believers, but so are medical systems, so are educational systems, uh, so are financial systems, and so on. Because Everyone who looks for his supply and his well-being, his survival, apart from Christ, is inherently subject to these schemes of the devil. So it's not surprising you're offered every kind of assurance by teachers who speak truth, who speak things to to persons to fan the flames of their lust. These systems collectively are referred to as the cosmos and they're designed to fully deceive the soul by luring you through your emotions into reliance upon these systems. What we're noticing is how the fallen church is fallen because long ago, long ago, it stopped listening to God and only wanted to hear what it wanted to hear. 
That's why these schemes are so dark, so profound, and so inescapable. The wiles of the devil. And Sam Solon will continue to pursue how the armor of God is the deployment of the strength and power of God against the schemes of the devil. The pieces of this armor tell us what the strength and power of God, what both these elements are and how they actually work and how they work effectively against the enemy. When we come back, that's what we'll be looking at. I'm Sam Solon. Stay with us as we pursue this study. Bye-bye.